0: number 11 Hebrews chapter number 11 our passage for this morning is verses 23 through 27 our character is the Old Testament hero Moses and much is said of him here in Hebrews chapter 11 we'll see uh, what we can cover and what we can learn this morning Hebrews 11 verse number 11 Twenty three. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect on the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And that's as far as we get this morning. I am certain that that all of you are at least somewhat familiar with the narratives that are referenced in these verses uh, from the Old Testament. But as with many of, of the events alluded to in Hebrews chapter 11... What we read here sheds some interesting light on what we read back in Exodus. There there are additional details here. There is further information here. And and the purpose of our lesson this morning is not to dive into all those details and differences and different things. What I want to show you really is one truth that ties those verses we just read all together. There's one truth that as I read those verses just really stood out to me, and that'll kind of be the point of the lesson this morning. And this, it, it, it's a simple truth, and it's this in each case, in each event that we read from Moses' life, what we learned from Hebrews 11 is that faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear. There was something to be feared. In each of these verses, there is a refusal to embrace that fear in each of these verses. And, and the reasoning behind that in each case was a higher faith in God. In verse 23, Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's commandment. In verse 25, Moses was not afraid of suffering the afflictions of God's people. In verse 27, Moses, again, not afraid of the king's wrath and what enabled Moses and his parents to, to rise above the fear that could have altered their lives. It was faith in God, the topic, the subject of Hebrews chapter 11. So let's look a little bit more closely at each of these. In verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment do hold your place in hebrews 11 let's go back to exodus chapter 1 again i know that you know this account from the old testament let's take a quick look at it together what was the king's commandment that moses parents were not afraid of you remember it was a commandment that all of the male children of the israelites would be put to death In Exodus chapter 1, Joseph dies in verse number 6. The children of Israel increase abundantly in verse number 7. A new king arises in Egypt who doesn't know Joseph in verse 8. He begins to afflict the people of God in verse 11. But the more that he afflicted them in verse 12, the more they multiplied and grew. So his efforts were counterproductive. Jump up a row. Come and join the rest of us. Thank you very much. His efforts were counterproductive. The more he afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. That was not only true of the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, but that is really paralleled in the history of the church. Church history tells much the same tale. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. I forget who is attributed with this quote, but the quote goes like this. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church at times in history when God's church has suffered persecution and affliction and, and even martyrdom. It hasn't stopped God's church from going. It's only spread the gospel uh, further. And that was the case here in Egypt with the children of Israel. They're afflicted, but they continue to grow. And so let's, let's read from verse number 15. What does the king of Egypt try next? What does Pharaoh try next? The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other, Pua. Maybe they pronounced it differently. I'm not sure, but that's what it looks like. And he said, verse 16, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men's children alive. That's some tremendous courage. That was a gutsy move. They risked their own lives to save the lives of these little Hebrew babies. The king had commanded kill them, but the midwives feared God. Continue in verse eighteen. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, "Why have you done this thing? Have saved the men's children alive?" Uh oh. <laughs> They've been found out here. They're called on the carpet. They're brought in before Pharaoh. What is the reasoning behind this? What is happening? I told you to kill all the male Hebrew babies. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. I'm not certain that was true. The implication is they may have just lied to Pharaoh. Look at verse 20. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. This is not the point of the lesson this morning, but as we read this passage, this needs to be mentioned. This is a very limited situation in the Bible where God blesses somebody for lying. I have never had that experience in my life. You have never had that experience in your life. And I doubt that any of us will. Their lie was really about protecting the lives of others. And that's never been the reason for any lie that I've ever told, nor any that you have. All right. If if if, if, if I would try to equate this to something any time in modern day, the comparison that my mind goes to is, Cory ten Boom and her family hiding Jews from the Nazis, okay? If, if that's what you're lying about, God's probably going to be okay with that one. And here the, the Egyptian midwives save the Hebrew male babies, and God blesses them, God protects them. It came to pass, verse number one, because the midwives feared God. Twice, the passage states... The reason they did what they did is they feared God. I would have been afraid of Pharaoh. I don't know about you. If the the, the ruler of the world told me, and I was a midwife, which would be weird, but if the ruler of the world told me, and I was a midwife, kill all the Hebrew men, I would be afraid. I would be afraid to go to him and tell him, well, they just give birth really quickly. They, they pop them out before I can get in there. <laughs> I would be afraid to say that, and I'm I'm certain there was a certain level of fear in their hearts and in their minds. But above that, there was the fear of God. Okay, Hebrews 11 does not mention the midwives. Hebrews 11 mentions Moses and his parents. But I believe what caused the midwives... To not fear the king's commandment was the same thing that caused Moses' parents not to fear the king's commandments. The greatest cure for the fear of man is a healthy fear of God. And that's the point we're going to make from Hebrews 11 in just a moment. But let's continue in Exodus verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast in the river. And every daughter, you shall save alive. Now, when it says he he charged all his people. It is obvious that this commandment was was not applicable to the Egyptian children. They're, they're, they're trying to make sure the Hebrew population decreases and the Egyptian population increases. So he's not commanding the Egyptians to kill their male babies, but he is making a commandment that all the Hebrew male babies are going to die. So I don't know when he charged all his people, maybe he told more than just the midwives. Maybe all the Pharaoh's officials... Maybe everybody in the king's court, maybe everybody under Pharaoh's maybe they were responsible for making sure the Hebrew babies were killed. Maybe it was just directly to the Hebrews. Every time you have a baby that's a boy, you put him to death, you throw him in the Nile. That 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 seems more likely in light of what we read in Hebrews chapter eleven, chapter two, verse number one of Exodus, and there went a man of the house of Levi, took a wife of the daughter of Levi, and we know this is Amram and Jochebed and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hit him three months. That's what we read in Hebrews 11. They saw he was a proper child. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what proper child meant. I'm not sure what goodly child meant. But whatever it was, they hit him three months. The Bible says when she, when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child there in. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And you know what happens. Pharaoh's daughter finds this little Hebrew baby in an ark of bulrushes. She takes him. She cares for him. She raises him. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's Household Acts seven, as Stephen recounts the history in the nation of Israel, he and we'll look at it in just a minute. He said that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds. Now, um, I don't think we'll be back to Exodus. So you can leave that. Come back to Hebrews eleven. Look again at verse twenty three, Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born. Go ahead and prompt that door open just a touch, if you don't mind, so we don't have to keep opening it. Thank you. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and not afraid of the king's commandment. I don't know about you. Try, Try to put yourself in their situation. It is hard to imagine. This really happened. Amram and Jochebed, not just storybook characters. These are real people. These events really took place. There was a real Pharaoh with real power to put anybody he wanted to death. And he really said, I want you to kill all the male babies. That would be a frightening situation. But the Bible says that Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's Commandment. How, how do we figure that? Where did that lack of fear come from? I'm not certain if there was any indication of who Moses was or what Moses was destined to do. You know, Jeremiah, he, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and ordained thee to be a prophet. I'm not sure if it was the case with Moses. Samson's parents knew that he would be special before he was even born. Uh, may, perhaps, perhaps. God had given them some light, some revelation. Not exactly sure, again, what Exodus 2 meant when it said he was a goodly child or what or what Hebrews 11 meant when he was a proper child. Maybe that's an indication of, of what we're talking about. Or, uh, but, but I know the ultimate motivation for not fearing the king's commandment is that they had a commandment that went higher than the king. They weren't afraid of the king because they were afraid of God. Their fear was placed in a higher power than that of Pharaoh. The Pharaoh's commandment was kill the babies. God's commandment is thou shalt not kill. And the reason they didn't fear the king's commandment is because they feared God's commandment. They had a a relationship to someone who way outranked the most powerful man or ruler in the world. Okay. Now, Before we go on to the next point, there's application here for us. Come with me to the book of Acts. Again, hold Hebrews 11. Come to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. We're not the Israelites. We're not under Pharaoh. We are God's people. And Egypt being a type of the world, we are given commandments that we are expected to comply with. And this is the case with the early church. Acts chapter 4 verse number 18 not, not going to take the time to give the backstory, story, but notice this verse. And they called them, so the apostles, and commanded them, commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Here, God's people are told, shut up. Stop this Jesus stuff. We're tired of your signs. We're tired of your preaching. We're tired of your tracks. Just leave it alone. And it really hasn't changed in 2,000 years, has it? Look at chapter 5, verse number 28. saying, did, did, Now, they're commanded in chapter 4. Guess what they do with the commandment? They ignore it. They pray for boldness. God says with the Holy Spirit, they go out, they declare the word of God. Chapter 5, they're called in again. Did not we straightly, verse 28, command you that ye should not teach in this name? Behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter, verse 29, the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And that's the decision that we're going to have to come to because we are going to be put under pressure by the world to just fall in line. Go with the flow, stop making waves, stop stirring the pot, just be a model citizen, just, you know, get with the program. There is pressure going to be brought to bear upon your life to just stop Do what the Bible says. Just stop trying to be a biblical Christian. Just stop trying to get people to... Come to Jesus. Just stop it with your Bible stuff. Just stop it with your gossip. You are going to be commanded, not by Pharaoh, but by his cohorts. And the question is, do you fear man? Do you fear God? Do you fear the king's commandment? Or do you fear God's commandment? Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter said, we have a commandment from a higher power to go out in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Acts 10.42, he commanded us to preach unto the people to testify to he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 40. Chapter 5, verse 40. Gamaliel tries to talk some sense in the Pharisees and the Bible says to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded. You see that word again? They commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Here's here's the situation in this place at this time. The world is used to telling Christians what to do and Christians just playing right along. Is that not the case? Think about every time that you go to a, a big event to evangelize and you're on public property in the united states of america with a constitution and a first amendment right and freedom of speech but how many times does somebody come and tell you that you got to take your jesus sign and your jesus tracks and your jesus and you got to get out of here you've got to leave you can't be here you can't do this and they know it's not true they know you have every right to be there. Sometimes even the security, sometimes even the police tell you you can't do what you're doing. You have to go. You have to... And they know that what they're saying is true. But guess what? They're just counting on you doing what they say. They're just counting on the Christians being spineless and fearing the king's commandment. And so when you stand your ground and say, No. No. They don't know what to do, all right? But it's, it's not just witnessing, okay? It's not just, you know, street preaching. It's not just uh, standing for our First Amendment right. That's just one small illustration. Again, there is going to be pressure on you in, 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 in every situation at school, at your job, just in your life in general. It's going to come from all kinds of different directions, commanding you to get in line with the program, just follow the current, just, just go with the flow, don't rock the boat. But what you and I have to decide is whether it's more important to obey man or obey God. Galatians 1.10, Paul said, For not I persuade men or God, do I seek to please men? For if yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to allow to guide and direct your life? Who are you going to allow to influence your decisions? Who are you going to allow to tell you what to do? Because somebody's going to tell you what to do. Lots of people are going to tell you what to do. You get to decide who you're going to listen to. I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to tell me what to do. Somebody's telling me what to do. Right? I mean, watch the fashions and the fads out in society. Why do people, why do people look like that? Because somebody told them it was cool. All right, so so they didn't come up with that all on their own. Somebody came up with it and then said, here, you need to do this. Oh, okay. So you're going to listen to, right? Uh, Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Not only did they not fear the king's commandment, that was Moses' parents. I don't know that Moses had faith when he was born. By faith Moses, verse 23, when he was born, said three months of his parents, so it's his parents' faith. In verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Again, this is a little bit off topic, so we're not going to belabor this point. But Moses came to a point in his life when he was grown up and he got to make his own decisions. It says, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of A Pharaoh's daughter. You know, one day you are going to come to years. (laughs) One day you're going to get old enough to where all of the decisions in life you're going to make on your own. One day, where you go, what you do, who you do it with, it is all going to be up to you. It's not now. As long as you're in your parents' house, they have lots of say. Okay, that's that's the way that it's supposed to be when you have a house and you have kids Then as long as those kids are in your house, then you have a lot of say That's just the way it works the bible god God set it up that way wrote it down in the bible So don't don't get bitter about that because you'll be bitter at god and that's not a good thing But one day you're gonna make your own decisions what decision you can make then When it's up to you where you go on sunday morning when it's up to you, how you dress when you go out in the world. When it's up to you, who you associate with, what you spend your time doing, what you watch, what you listen to. What kind of decisions are you going to make? Because one day it's going to be up to you. And, and what we're trying to do right now is prepare you for that time. So when that time comes, you do know what Moses did. And you make some, some tough choices, but very right and very important choices. When Moses came to years. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I hope when you come to years, you'll make the right, the right choices, the right decisions, though it may be difficult. This had to be extremely difficult. Pharaoh's daughter had had rescued him from the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter had raised him as her son. Pharaoh's daughter had given Moses every privilege, every advantage, every luxury in life, every benefit, the best that the world had to offer. Luke 14 says, if you're going to follow Jesus, then Jesus has to be more important than any family relationship. And Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, verse 25, to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This, again, is something that I cannot locate in the Exodus narrative. The only other allusion to Moses choosing to suffer affliction with God's people is when Stephen recounts the history of the nation in Acts chapter 7. This is right before the Pharisees rock him to sleep. Um, hold Hebrews 11. Let's, let's go to Acts 7. Did anybody get that? Okay, Acts chapter 7. Very deep sleep, Stephen. Had. Acts chapter 7. Verse number 20. Glad you're listening. Acts chapter 7, verse number 20. The Bible says this. In which time Moses was born was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months when he was cast out. Pharaoh's daughter took him up nourished him for her own son. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old. So that's when he came to years. You'll probably come to years a little before that. And when he was full 40 years old, it came to his heart, some of you. Maybe not. When he was full forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he had offended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by His hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Very curious. How? Why did he expect them to understand? How, How did he know at this point? He'd not yet visited the burning bush that we read about. In Exodus chapter 3. So Hebrews says he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Acts 7 says that he he went to visit his brethren. Um, He he, he partook in their burden. How the decision came about, what it looked like, it's interesting to imagine. But I'm I'm not exactly sure. And it's not our main point this morning. The main point is what he chose and why he chose it. He chose affliction. He, He purposefully... Aligned himself and 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 placed himself with the people of God who are being afflicted by Pharaoh's taskmasters. He 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 chose suffering and trouble and persecution and distress. Why did he choose affliction? Because the Bible says in verse number twenty-five and twenty-six, he he made a cost-benefit analysis. He placed these things on the scale and and, and decided on which one outweighed the other. Okay, You've got got the pleasure of sin on one hand. You've You've got being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter on one hand. You've got the treasures in Egypt on one hand. But on the other hand, you've got the reproach of Christ. On the other hand, you've got the affliction of the people of God. On the other hand, you've got the recompense of the reward. So, so in spite of the affliction, in spite of the reproach, in spite of turning his back on Pharaoh's daughter, when you place the recompense of the reward on that side of the scale, it con- it completely tips the scale and it outweighs the treasures of Egypt. It outweighs being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It outweighs the pleasure and sin for a season. He made the right comparison and the only way that he could put the, the recompense of the reward in the scale and make the right decision is because he believed that God rewards those who seek him. That's the entire point of Hebrews 11. By faith, they obtained a good report. How did Moses make this decision? He, by, by faith, he believed that God would reward him and that reward would outweigh the affliction and the reproach and, and all he turned his back on. He chose to suffer affliction for the people of God because he had respect and the recompense of the reward. And and similarly, there's application here for us. If we're going to live the Christian life, then affliction and reproach are just going to be part of the territory. You know that, right? Hebrews 13.13 says that we need to go, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his Reproach, 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy 1.8 Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Luke chapter 14 We're going to be a disciple. We have to count the cost. Luke chapter 9 if We're going to follow Christ. We've got to take up a cross. But we have every reason to go ahead and embrace that decision just as Moses did. Moses traded the most luxurious life you can imagine for the affliction of God's people because he believed that what God would give him would outweigh the treasures of Egypt. He made that decision by faith. Similarly, God God has held out great reward. God has held out blessings to those who obey him. and, And we've just got to get to the point where we believe that God will make it more than worth it for us to go ahead and take his reproach and, and, and partake in the afflictions of the gospel and, and, and allow ourselves to be made fun of, look down on, mocked, ridiculed, scorned, whatever it is, to do the right thing by the Bible and please the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 12 says, We suffer, we shall reign with Him. First Peter 4.13 says, Rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, so when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. We're partaker of the suffering, but then we're partaker of the glory. And we just got to believe that and keep our mind upon that. Now quickly, Hebrews 11, verse number 27. By faith, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. This, this cannot be a reference to when he, when he ran away from Egypt when he was 40 years old. The, the point that we got to in Exodus chapter 2 when we were reading. Because when he flees Egypt in Exodus 2 after murdering the Egyptian, it's not because he's not afraid of the king, it's because he is afraid of the king. Remember that? Pharaoh heard about it, he's going to kill him, when so Moses runs away. So obviously this is talking about a different event. It's, it's either a reference to the actual Exodus, you know, the night that the entire nation left Egypt. It could be that. Or it could be a reference to something that took place in Moses' heart prior to that event. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Maybe that was an internal decision. Turning his back on it. It's tied to verse number 24. Turning his back on his heritage. or Turning his back on his family. Turning his back on everything that he had known. But again, the important thing is what he did in why he did it, or rather what he didn't do. And what he did do, he did not fear the wrath of the king, for he endured, verse 27, as seeing him who was invisible. Just like his parents earlier in verse number 23, Moses looked beyond Pharaoh, much, much higher. Not the one on the throne of Egypt, the one on the throne in heaven. And when we make the choice that Moses made, the world, the flesh, and the devil are not going to make it easy for us or easy on us. We can expect some repercussions. We can expect some wrath. Nothing we accomplish for Jesus Christ is going to be without some type of opposition. But why did Moses endure? Because he saw eye of faith. He saw what couldn't be seen. He saw him who is Invisible, you can leave Hebrews eleven. There's one last passage I want to show you from the Old Testament. Really summarizes all of this. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Moses' parents weren't afraid of the king's commandment because they feared God and His commandment. Moses was not afraid to choose the to suffer the affliction of God's people. Because he had respect and the recommended reward, he believed that God would make it worth it. Moses did not fear the king's wrath because he saw him who is invisible. Proverbs 29 and verse number 25. Look at this contrast. Proverbs 29 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare you make your decisions based on what people are going to think of you for what you do or what you wear or what you say or how you act, then then you are going to be ensnared by the devil. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but contrast, whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Trust. Okay. You can fear man or trust God. Isn't that the contrast in Hebrews 11? Why didn't Moses' parents not fear the king? Because they trusted God. Why didn't Moses not fear the affliction? Because he trusted God. Why didn't Moses not fear the wrath? Because he trusted God. Now, for us, we're going to fear man or trust God? We're going to fall in line with what the world wants us to do or we're going to say, no, God's law is a higher law. Are we going to be afraid to associate, you know, with that church having that reputation in this town? We're going to embrace it because God is going to reward us. We're going to fear the wrath of the king or endure seeing him who is invisible. It it, it, it depends. Do we believe God enough? Do he says and know that he's going to do what he said he was going to do and make it all worth it? in the end. That's the example that Moses sets, and God willing, we can take advantage of it and follow that example. Do the same thing, make the same choices. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that you impress these lessons upon our hearts. Bless now as we go to the preaching hour. Use Brother James. Uh, God bless the singing, the music, the worship, the fellowship. May it all bring honor and glory. The only one who deserves it, Jesus Christ. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.